Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Radio Radar, episode 68. My name is Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at Games Radar. Today on the show, we freaking get into it. We have a little discussion about E3 being open to the public. We talk a little bit about Horizon Zero Dawn, which Dave Roberts has been playing extensively. And then, it is almost a solid two hours of all spoilers all the time. This is a spoiler cast talking about the endings to Resident Evil 7, Final Fantasy XV, and The Last Guardian. Listen on. (sighs) But all the praying just ain't helping at all, because he can't seem to keep himself out of trouble. So he goes out and he makes his money the best way he knows how. Another body laying cold in the gutter. Listen to me. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Oh my god. Listen to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Wow. I know that you're gonna have me. No? Wow. Okay, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How have we not done waterfalls? That's a that's a that's a very. I thought we had a sense of propriety. (laughs) (laughs) It's always too soon for Lisa Left Eye Lopez forever. I just just never really liked that song, honestly. Yeah. I this is this is true story. Oh god. True story. uh, At the eighth grade formal at Christian Brothers Academy, uh, my. My friends and I got it in our head that we were just going to torture the DJ all night. Oh. So we just kept going up to him and be- <laughs> and being like, will you play TLC's wa- Waterfalls? Will you play TLC's Waterfalls? Crazy, sexy, cool. Crazy, sexy, cool. Play TLC's Waterfalls. And eventually this guy got in on it and he played it three times oh before the dance God. was over. <laughs> I still have a picture of me and my two friends, <laughs> both named Andrew. So it was two Andrews and the an Andes. Anthony. The Andes and an Anthony. And we were, sta- like, they were doing, like, the, like, eighth grade formal pictures thing. So there's all of us. They're just, like, dressed like eighth grade boys, like, wearing, you know, button-down shirt, tie. And I am wearing a cr- full cream-colored three-piece suit that I'd stolen from my father. <laughs> And we're holding up a sign that says crazy, sexy, cool. Oh my god. Yeah! Play TLC's Waterfalls. Play TLC's Waterfalls. Play TLC's Waterfalls. Why not? Uh, That is a thing that, for our listeners uh, of Radio Radar, this is episode 68 of Radio Radar. You know you're a dick, right? Like, that's (laughs) not lost on you? No, I'm horrible horrible person okay 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 i just i needed to make sure that you were self-aware okay we're fine okay yeah 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 i just scum scum of the earth um (laughs) i I, everybody listening i want if you are one of the people that is planning to purchase a ticket for e3 2017 please go up to steve aoki if you get a chance and say the same thing like just don't even introduce yourself you see if you're like Hello, Steve Aoki, and he's like, "Oh, hi, nice to be." Play TLC's Waterfalls. Play okay, TLC's this, Waterfalls. This I support fully, though. I really, I really do. Because here's the thing: I don't understand why people in the industry keep trying to force Steve Aoki on me. Oh, I, don't, been, I don't know. I've been asked to create content about this man, and <laughs> and some because I think like 
He had something to do with a racing game or something, or like there's a match three game that he did, and then no, 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 this was this was like he was very tangentially associated with a race and like a like a Forza level, okay, racing game, like five years ago, and it was like, hey, you know, we would like to find a way to work this video series with Steve Aoki onto your site. I'm like, we no, (laughs) awful. We write about video games, though. I don't understand. Last year, at least, they like it was directly related to a video game. I guess like something he did was in the last Dragon Ball video game. Yeah. Okay. But like even then, it's like I don't know. <laughs> I no, I'm not going to write. I mean, he was words. on the Dorito stage, so I mean, he was, he was like, if 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 you're gonna put Steve Aoki anywhere. That's on a big stage with the word Doritos above him is probably the best place. <laughs> I Dave, just you want think to state Steve for Aoki? the record that Doritos are delicious. Oh, they're what fine. Kind they're fine. You know. No, 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 no. They're not fine, sir. <laughs> they are delicious. Especially, Dave, you don't you don't ever use the word fine to, to condone something. Fine... <laughs> Fine does not like like refer to like the the type of grain quality or anything when you <laughs> just, use that no, word. No, like the, they're not my go-to chip, but if they're there, I'll eat them. Oh, like well, I, no, okay, no, they're not my go-to chip either. And I'm also only talking about the original flavor because they went some weird directions. They with did the go flavors. some weird places, yeah. But oh, yeah, no, OG Doritos. Are Those delicious. Taco Bell tacos are pretty. All right, good. all right. Okay. Let's let's roll it back first, everybody. Oh, sorry. So yes. we have we Doritos have with weeds. us today. Yeah, we're into the Doritos weeds already. Well, weed and we, Doritos go together. They do. I think we can all. <laughs> uh, or so I that. Hear. So I'm told. We have executive editor Susan Arndt talking about Dorito flavors. Susan, what is your preferred chip? Uh, actually, I am I am a, a just a straight up potato chip girl. There are uh, Cape Cod waffle cut uh, chips Ooh. that are hmm. effing amazing. It's like they are they are the level of chip. I I cannot have them in my home because mm-hmm. I will just mm-hmm. eat the entire bag. Also, Cheez Its are amazing. Jesus yeah, Cheez Its are they exist in that nebulous territory between chip and cracker. They do. Though. Yes, I agree. L- like they're cracker shaped, but they're not crackers. Uh, Susan, actually, that surprises me. You're Philly born. I am. I figured you would be an Uts potato Uts chip. Uts chips are um, yes, no. Uts they're chips are real good and freaking tastic. They're really, really good. But yeah. I, I I just like discovered these Cape Cod chips like last year. O M G, they are. Real good. Absolutely delicious. Uh, Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts is also with us. Dave, uh, have you ever, do you have Uts where you are? Do you have Uts out west? I, is that, does that ever? I'm, I'm sure it's like I've seen UTZ. it around. Yeah, no, I know Uts. I've, I've seen Mad Men. I know what's up. <laughs> I, know, I know Uts. Uh, my thing with Uts is their little girl mascot looks like what I imagine a serial killer in Animal Crossing would look like. <laughs> that is entirely accurate, yes. Right? You are in no way wrong about that. Right, like, if you, like, looked behind, like, at the end of the day, Tom Nook and his three sons are closing up shop and just peering in through the window is this little pretzel girl. Yes. She's just going to devour them. Dave, what is your chip? Uh, your chip of choice. I like a good Chex Mix. Oh, you like... <laughs> 
What? The guests aren't coming, Mom? <laughs> we can't eat all the checks party, man. <laughs> You're trying to kill us with sodium poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 but OG Chex Mix is pretty great. Yeah, like with the Worcestershire sauce mm-hmm. and all. Yeah, yeah. And you get you get the little rye pieces. Rye pieces yeah, soaking yeah. up all the That's flavors. Good. I like. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, like my, yeah. my my tortilla. Like my chip preferences are kind of plain because I like a good just like plain tortilla chip and dipping that in some guacamole or hummus or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's also now, salsa. Right. Give, me some, give me some good salsa. I'm there all day, yes. but guac is nasty. There's also oh, you're not a guac person. No. Oh wait, you do you have the avocado thing? I do. Or avocados? T- yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, this is avocado is one of those foods that don't taste the same to all human beings. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's one of it, it, it's not one thing to all people. And we actually were having a little discussion before hitting record on the podcast today that we thought might be relevant to our listeners. E3 is not the same thing to all people. And True. E3 is not even the thing that some people imagine it to be any longer. Uh, if you are a video game nerd like we are, you have probably heard that this week E3 announced that they are open to the public and they have started selling tickets to anybody and they are not cheap it's a, a nice 250 dollars the, for the same um <laughs> same price as a wii at launch you can go okay, to okay but e3. i mean that's that's the that's for all three days yeah. that's all three days that's all three yep. days which yeah. is the same i i think that's the same as a ticket to pax Could, am i wrong oh is that? it no pax is like a hundred bucks yeah PAX oh, is okay affordable. okay yeah uh but we we were talking about how all three of us, at various points of our lives, paid our own way to go to E three. We we were entranced by it, right? Yep. Susan, you went you went to many E three. Five years, five years. I used my vacation time and paid my way to uh, Los Angeles to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I went. To I, work. I went and I and I covered E three very similarly to how I do it now, but I was paying for the privilege to do that. Yeah, there 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 was a time when getting into video game journalism, you, like you could be like a loss leader. You were like a big box store. <laughs> you were like, I'm gonna buy, my, I'm gonna buy my way in and then sell it a loss for long term profits. You could be your own one man Best Buy at uh, at E three, Dave. You also did the same thing years and years yeah, ago, right? Yeah, I, well, I, my first E3 was 2003. I was 18. I was still in high school. And I was writing for <clears throat> a small enthusiast website. And yeah, just like I got some birthday money. I flew out and I, I, I got to meet Orson Scott Card before I realized he was kind of a... Yeah, it was for Advent Rising, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I I interviewed a guy with a game in Kenshia Hall and was like, "Yeah, this game is never coming out." Uh, and yeah, it was just like kind of you walk in, you get that that wide eyed like, "Oh my god!" Like this is it. And then like once you do your first E three, the magic completely fades. I I think. See, I I disagree with that. I disagree. With I, that, I disagree yeah. with that. I still. I love the pageantry of it. I love the spectacle of it. Oh, yeah, no, However, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is absolutely no way. Because it's not the same. What used to, like, you mentioned Kentia Hall. So it's it's kind of legendary at this point. But Kentia Hall used to be this uh, place where it was, it, 
it was a less ideal location in the LA Convention Center. And so that's where smaller publishers went. That's where uh, a lot of uh, foreign publishers went. Like you would see uh, the entire Korean publisher mm-hmm. uh, setup would be there. And that is where you found some really weird, yeah, just that's where the weird bonkers. Shit was. Yeah, like yeah. I played a ballroom dancing game for Xbox, original Xbox there. I loved Kensha Hall because it was so effing weird. It doesn't exist anymore. E3 mm-hmm. used to have more of a breadth of games. You would have your, you know, your very big budget Activision stuff like that whole thing all the way down to like wacky, weird niche stuff yeah. that would be really, really cool. And you would find all these hidden gems there. And like once upon like way back when uh, I'm just like walking through the hall to, to see what's there. And I find the very first Phoenix Wright game huh. and it's oh. right next to Trauma Center. Yeah. And, and no one is playing them. <clears throat> right. And, but like the reality is, is that those days are gone. They're gone. Mm-hmm. They're long gone. And, and this, this is what we, we it, like, it's not really a PSA. It's just that you you should, if you are thinking about this, if you're interested in it, then you should know what E3 actually is yeah, at exactly. this point. Yeah. Because if you want to go, uh, I, you know, I, I feel like for us, I you know, for me, I don't want to speak for you guys, but for me, E3, the exciting part of E3 has always been the press conferences mm-hmm. uh, held by Microsoft and Sony and at, mm. at one time, once in the long, long ago, Nintendo. Um, and that was, that was the big kickoff. That was your big moment. And then it would be going and wandering the floor. And at this point, there really isn't much on the floor anymore. That's true. Uh, Activision and EA don't even have big booths anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you want to go... And, like, you know, Activision doesn't need to be there to represent their Blizzard and if, properties. And if they are, There's BlizzCon. And if they are, they have a room off to the side <laughs> somewhere yes. in the, like, second floor that you can't find unless you know where it is. And you've scheduled yeah. an appointment to go play, like, whatever they're uh, showing. Yeah. Or, and, like, I mean, EA still... Uh, did, did they not have the... No, they didn't have the great big boot. The great big, nope. so loud, you literally yeah. can't speak to anybody nope. booth. Yeah. But what then what you have is theaters. There are hands-off appointments. You wait, you know, a half hour or, or longer to be ushered into a room where you watch a video. Where you watch a video. And, and, that's, and that's it. That's it. And, you know, for, for those of us in the press, that's, I mean, it's not great, but at least we can see, you know, uh, right. what the new characters are, what the new, whatever. Like, as a consumer, you would get to see, you will get to see that exact same presentation like a day yeah. later when they yeah. post it to their website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for us, we're there because we can talk to the developers, right? And and we're you know we're going to sit there and have half an hour to an hour with the developer to walk through these things in detail to to get very detailed presentations and to talk to foreign developers that we really can't talk to right. via phone easily you know like E3 is when we can talk to Nintendo developers uh, because talking to a Nintendo developer if you don't speak Japanese is very difficult <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so you know that is the reality. You know, if you want to go to an event to discover games and see them early, E3 is no longer really the place to do it. No. And if you, you know, anything 
say you're a big Square Enix fan and you you love everything Square Enix does and you can't be more excited to see that stuff. The same lineup of games that they have at E3 is at PAX West in the exact same playable form. You're, you're seeing the exact same demos. Uh, so, you know, that's the reality with a big publisher. And if you want a smaller one, God, is there anybody who's not one of the big heavyweights that isn't either hardware or Netsume that's still on the floor at Atlas. E3? Atlas. Atlas. At, but, at, but Atlas is now, they, they got that Sega money. So, like, what used to be Sega's booth is now Atlas and Sega, and that's cool. So you can see, like, uh, Yakuza, what, you know, they'll definitely have Yakuza Kiwami, mm-hmm. the PS4 remake at E3 this year, um, and you'll uh, you'll see that stuff. But, uh, but. Indie Mega Booth uh, has started to make a presence there as well. Uh, mm. But again, it's also, like... Uh, you'll probably see a lot of the same demos at PAX East a couple months before or at PAX West a couple months later. Uh, they go to a bunch of different traveling shows. Uh, and it's great to see that stuff there, but it's like that smaller presence is has made itself known at mm. other conventions which are cheaper and perhaps more local to your, you know, to your area. So you don't have to fly yeah. to LA. I'm not... Okay, so here's the thing. I don't want... To give the impression that we are telling people, don't go unless you're press, right? Right. If, right. No, no, if, no. If this no. is a thing that you want to do, because it is really cool to see There's nothing person. else like it. It is. Yeah, yeah, like you walk into the room and the booths are enormous and it's, it's video game Disneyland, right? Yeah. Like, you know how like you walk into Disneyland and every, every single inch of that place is there to give you the Disney experience, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like, you walk into the LA Convention Center during E3, and every single inch of that place is there to give you the video game experience. Mm-hmm. There's the I Am 8-Bit display, which is lots of different video game artwork. There's all sorts of really cool signs. Like, when you... One of the coolest signs they ever did, uh, in my opinion, was for Assassin's Creed 2. When oh, it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was just in '09. That was awesome. It was so cool. It was just this huge banner outside the convention center of uh, Ezio with his arms spread and the hoods down over his eyes, and you can see the the blades. And it was wicked cool. And seeing that in person is an experience, and it's an, an experience that, as a gamer, is extremely fulfilling. Just want you all to go in there knowing no. that. You're gonna wait a really mm-hmm. long time to actually touch anything. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you might need to to pick one thing, and that's the thing you wait for all day. For the day, I remember. Yeah, for like the day. The, the day. The, like you. Like maybe you. Well, Breath of the Wild isn't a good example. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, because people lined up for Breath of the Wild last year and didn't even get to play yeah. it. Uh, I I remember going to uh, E3 the year that I went, and it was the year that they were showing Half-Life 2. And the wait to get into the demo, where they... You didn't even get to play it, you just watched a video of someone playing Mm -hmm. the game and, like, physics demo and stuff. Was easily... That was your day. Like, if you didn't get there right when the show floor opened, you were spending your entire day waiting in line. Yeah. If you have ever attended a Comic-Con... And you wanted to see like a, a a Marvel panel or a Doctor Who panel or something like that, 
it's very similar in that you are going to wait many, many hours for the opportunity to maybe experience this thing you want to experience. Now, if you're cool with maybe not getting to actually play stuff, but you you just just want to see it, you just want to see it and, and maybe hit up some other things. Awesome. Then, Mm -hmm. then cool. We just want you to be prepared so you don't roll up and then you're vastly disappointed on this thing that you've spent so much time and money on. Yeah. I will say one, one thing that is for better or worse, no longer the case is the, professional people in crazy costumes like booth babes cosplay all of that is no longer as prevalent as it once was yeah that's true uh, it's oh, and, just uh, oh and there's no swag anymore yeah there's no swag you're not getting free Mm-mm. anything from anyone atlas might have funny hats that is yeah maybe they, they, they might have funny hats or t-shirts but anything else forget about it but it, but even uh, those you like for they they were giving away uh, t-shirts last year and it was you had to enter in a tournament and win mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it was a it was a, a fighting tournament i think um yeah like back in the day there was some hot e3 swag there yeah. was just good good stuff like really neat inter- gone it's all gone cuz it's way too expensive yeah and they they can't I, be, they can't be bothered and they don't need to so freaking nintendo in 2002 2001 or two, Nintendo just gave away wave birds. Like oh if you God, went to the really? booth, you could just get a wave bird controller. That was long, long before I ever attended. Uh, the coolest thing on the floor last year in terms of like entertainment, runner up is the Resident Evil Seven house, which was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, and the absolute best thing was the uh, Sony was pretty much the only booth with people in costumes and like they had a woman who was there like as cat from Gravity Rush proving that those clothes can actually be worn by a human being I was shocked by that Uh, but there was also a they, they had two and I'm told that they were professionally dancers but there were two human beings Inside of a robot costume as one of the Horizon Zero Dawn dinosaur creatures. And, like, the costume was fully articulated and it moved all disjointed and weird because of the people inside. It was awesome. It was really cool. It it was a a very cool illusion. It was was awesome. It was fine puppetry. Uh, Dave, you have been fighting the fake imaginary versions (laughs) the virtual of that robot the virtual uh horizon zero dawn is not out the week that you are listening to this it is uh we have a review of it today and it will be out next week but dave has played about two-thirds yes uh it's fine no i I like i like it No, I, I, I do like it. I, I Perhaps not as much as our current review up, which I believe uh, Zoe gave it a four and a half out of five stars. Um, yes. I, I'd probably say I'm leaning closer to four, uh, just because like I feel like... Um, it's Okay, so it's essentially... It's an open world game from the from Gorilla, the, the team that, that made the Killzone games. And it's the they call it the quote unquote post post apocalypse. Uh, something bad happened to humanity. Hundreds of years have passed. Humans have uh, sort of gone back to their prehistoric roots, uh, 
and the you know they 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 form tribes. They're hunters and gatherers again. Only now there are robotic like dinosaur monsters, and like hey, it's a bull, but it's a robot bull, and it's just grazing in the grass, and you can like walk by it or you can fight it and harvest it for parts and stuff. Like uh, so you play as Aloy, and you are. Uh, you, I don't, I don't, I don't know how like into the spoiler weeds I want to get with this, but I, I'm gonna, I'm going okay to help you with yes. this. I'm going to ask you specific yes, questions. Yes, go for it. Okay. Okay. First, is what happened to humanity important to the story? Yes. yes no. I am okay. like about two thirds of the way through, and I'm getting like hints of things happening. Like, like, um, yes. Uh, in fact, like, like there, there are story beats that specifically. Uh, affect your character. I won't get. I don't want to spoil them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, we won't get. We won't get into like the details. But yes, but... like what happened to humanity and and like your character's sort of quest are uh, they they do cross paths. Okay. Okay. Does that also tie into how we have great big mechanical dinosaurs walking around? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So far, so good. Okay. Now. One of the things that Zoe called out in her review, she said that, you know, moving through this world is just an absolute joy, except uh, for jumping and melee combat, there can sometimes be some lag. Yeah. So, okay. So the way that combat works is that you are, you are really good with these, with your bow and arrow and you have these, uh, rope launchers and traps and like bombs and stuff that you can throw uh lots of ranged weapons like you're really good with that stuff and like you want to be able to prepare and uh make sure that you have the right tool for the job because some robots are weak against fire some of them have like little components on their on their hindquarters or stuff and if you shoot it with a fire arrow it'll blow up and cause like you know massive damage, uh, and being able to exploit those on on different enemies is how you're going to get ahead. Because if those robots get anywhere near you and hit you with the melee attack, half your health is gone. Like like that. Whoa. Yeah, it's like if you get in like in in close combat, you have to either roll out of the way or hope that you can get a couple hits in and knock them out because you you will get wrecked real fast. So, so the melee combat isn't, it is not a, like, Bayonetta sort of action type game. You're not going to pull off combos. You're not going to air juggle enemies. Melee combat is there as a last, last resort. And it has a very weighty, almost, like, Dark Soulsian sort of heft to it there's like like uh, attacking takes a certain amount of frames of animation and you can be interrupted while you attack and so you have to uh plan out when you're gonna do that and it, usually it's just best to roll away uh whip out your arrow and try to aim for some of the flashy bits on the side of it um in combat so that yeah that's basically how the combat works in that game uh i in the early going, it, it really felt like I was strategizing and, and figuring out what to do. And there are some parts like later on, like some of the some of the enemies that you find, like the birds, like I have a specific strategy for those where I have a rope caster and I, I shoot my rope into them and the you shoot enough ropes into them and then they'll just fall to the ground and they'll stay put for a while and then you just unload a bunch of fire arrows in, in them until they blow up. 
but like mm. I find that like my strategy for ninety percent of the enemies is the same, which is basically mm. use fire, ice, or shock on them to cause their stats to like their their status to like you know they're they're either on fire or they're frozen or whatever, which allows you to do more damage. Then I whip out my uh, armor piercing arrows and I just lay into them and chip off all of their armor until they're nice and so squishy. That, and then is that why? So because okay, so do you feel like the the combat, although it it on the surface looks like it's gonna be a, a super interesting and varied kind of thing, but it's it basically all just it boils down to like shoot them with the right kind of arrow and then they blow up. Yeah, and so that's why you don't love it as much as Zoe does. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, and it's a little bit of like it just it it is a very pretty, uh, very interesting uh, open world game, but it borrows a lot of stuff from like Far Cry and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh, where you're running around and you pick up flowers off the ground and you use those flowers to craft new like arrows and stuff. And okay, you know, I I I get I get you. Yeah. But, like, I didn't play Far Cry. Right. Hmm. Right? Because yeah. it's just, like, Far Cry is not my tonal jam. Right. I was actually just going to ask, Dave, uh, you know you know me and Susan's taste yeah. very well. And we actually, like, we have a lot of crossover, Susan, but I, I feel yeah. like you and I tend to gravitate towards different things when it comes to action games. Yeah. And, uh... You know, Dave, you you cited Far Cry. The first thing that you said about Horizon when you were talking to me about it right after you started, you were like, "Oh, it's just Far Cry." Right. Like this is just Far Cry. But then, as you got further into it, you were like, "This reminds me more of modern Tomb right. Raider." Be- Interesting. Than yeah. It does. Yeah. Because so there are like the big open areas are very Far Cry. It's like, okay, so here's a herd of things. And you can attack them, and it's like and make a wallet. Out yeah, and make a, and, yeah, and make a wallet out of them, <laughs> um, which you do a lot of. You like, there's a lot of like you can increase your pouches by harvesting parts and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But then there are also like these little side areas that you'll find, and they remind me a lot more of like the tombs from Tomb Raider, where there's like you go in and there are little puzzles and there are like like climbing things that you have to like okay well how do i get up to the top of this spot okay well i have to find the footholds and climb my way up and blah 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 and then okay now i can go on and uh like that stuff feels very tomb raider-y uh also like you know just like a lot of the bow and arrow stuff a lot of the the third person Mm -hmm. combat there's stealth there's um it's just like it it is it is a very it is a very well designed very uh pretty open world game but i uh, it's also like if you've been sort of inundated with open world games there's not typically a lot yeah. new here and I, I i was also talking to anthony that like it is so so gorilla studios has a very specific tone for their games and it is just stone-faced seriousness 100 percent of the mm-hmm. time we are making art god damn it look at this <laughs> I was actually telling Anthony, like, this game reminds me a bit of, like, the, at least the opening hours, anyway, reminds me of The Revenant in a way that it's just, like, oh, people use, yeah. like... Yeah, no, I can see They that. throw around words like all mother with no sense of, like, irony <laughs> or, like, humor. <laughs> all mother. Yeah, and it's just, like, it is so... Yeah, because, you know, Norse mythology is bullshit. No, I just... Because, you know, Odin was the all-father. Mm-hmm. So, I did not know that. Yeah. But I just... 
no one, like, at least in the opening hours, no one is, like, ev- everyone is so sad, and they're so serious, and they're so, like, the, like the, it's just, it is a very, it is, it, it wants to be this very serious kind of game, where it's, like, even Tomb Raider in its most, like, serious moments still found time to, like, laugh at itself a little bit. I don't know. Like, to, to okay, hold I, that I, tone. I, I, I totally get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I get, I, I completely, and I understand why that might be a little eye-rolly. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not really a fair comparison right. because, I mean, it's not like humanity has faced cataclysm in Rise of the Tomb Raider. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Lara but like, go I, get a latte if she wants. There's, there's, you know, like Mad Max Fury Road, which is dire, yes. serious, very, yes. very, you know, committed to its lore and the grimness of it, still finds a moment for Max to give Furiosa, like, the thumbs up moment. Yeah. True. Like, there's yeah, still... Sure, 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 sure. There's still that I just kind I, of I feel thing. like it, yeah. it's hard to explain without like get going into specific moments right, and to right, without you right. seeing it cuz like if you watch the like the opening 30 minutes you're either like into it or you're just like oh come on <laughs> and like I kind sometimes I waffle between the two because like there are parts of it that are really cool like I'm really digging the sci-fi stuff I'm really digging the mm-hmm. uh the the overall lore but there are some moments of it where I'm just like dude like just like, crack a smile like the thirty hours of just dour seriousness, like it's, yeah. it's a bit like the rev. Like again, it's just like that's why it reminded me of the Revenant because the Revenant goes for a very specific tone and it holds it. Like to its credit, it holds that tone through the entire two hours. But it's also like, dude, like you don't have to end the movie by crying into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dave, would you, oh, God. if you were like, if you hadn't talked to either of us before, yeah. knowing Susan and I's taste, would you recommend it to either of us or tell one of us to avoid Okay, it? I would say, Susan, I think you would like it because I know that you liked uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider a lot. I know that mm-hmm. you like these like open world games and like, I, I think there's, I don't know if you would get, th- like, have the time to finish it. Just because mm. I know how busy you are, because it is it is a very big game, but uh, I, I do... it's not like Witcher big. Though, no, right? it's it, it okay. but it is like a thirty to forty hour open world game. Um, mm. That's that's doable. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But um, I think you would like it, Anthony. I think that you you need to stay the hell away from this game, because <laughs> uh, I know that you get frustrated when open world games uh have what you call the consumption which is just you open your map and there's just endless icons and this game so there are a lot of icons on the map but it's mostly to point you to where various herds are and to where the campfires are on the map so it's a it looks wait what's the what's the campfire? okay the campfires are like they're basically save points and they're fast travel points and they're actually the game is really liberal with the spacement of campfires Hmm. so Hmm. um the map looks way more like icon vomit than it actually feels when you're in it uh, but it's still like you know there there are vantage points to find there are little little trinkets to find that you can trade in for stuff and there are you know a bunch of hidden data pads that you can read lore from and it's just like it has See, a I, lot I of the dig that yeah so but like okay like okay so it has the you know climb up the uh, and so you can see real far right thing that uh that ubisoft like right should, man they're like wishing they had patented that right shit. Uh, but you're basically climbing 
a, 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 a robo giraffe. Right. And there- and that see to me that's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Right? Like you're not just climbing up a big old tree; you're climbing up this really really tall creature. Right. And it's it's awesome, and it happens like four times in the game. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. So it's like like you, the map is fogged out and it fills in as you explore it, but you find these tall necks and you climb up to the top and it reveals a large region of the map for you and fills in a bunch of the icons and stuff. And it's like, yeah, if I was doing this every 10 minutes like you are in Assassin's Creed where there's a viewpoint every 100 feet or whatever, like mm-hmm. it gets old real fast, but there's like there are like four of these, four or five of them in hmm. the entire game. So it's like when you see one, you're like, oh, I gotta go do that, and then it's like, okay, you know, that's great. This whole region is filled in. I don't gotta worry about that for another five hours, uh, hmm. which is like it, it, it's enough to like give you that thrill, but without just making you feel like you're doing it because the develop without the sign yeah. like oh you gotta climb uh, another thing and jump uh, climb up this thing um, I, I swear to god I am dreading that about Zelda Breath of the Wild like every single time Nintendo says oh here here are the towers that you use in each region I'm like no 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 <laughs> don't do that to me! Yeah. <laughs> Please! Ah, it's so it's so hard to get around that consumption aspect of, of open world games. You know, it, it's done well so infrequently. And we'll we'll talk about this when we get to one of our later subjects on the show. I kind of like it when an open world is a little bit more empty. Because I'm more interested in the feel of a place and the tone of being there and just moving through it than being given a constant stream of, like, chores. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to exist in a space. I don't want to be ticking off how many goddamn treasures and dino-robo-wallets that I've had to make the entire time. Story can sort of elevate that stuff a lot. It can make it a lot better. You know, it's... I didn't like a lot of the structure of Tomb Raider 2013, for example. You know, the emphasis on uh, shootouts and then collectathons in the different hubs rather than puzzles really bummed me out, but the story was so interesting that I wanted to keep playing anyway. Uh, so I guess with Horizon, it, it you know it sounds like taste can really sort yeah. of move you pass some of these things and unfortunately we can't go in to too much of the story this game isn't even out for a week yeah. so we can't we can't spoil that however by your request <laughs> we can spoil all kinds of other things yeah <laughs> we can spoil we can spoil scads of games uh it, one of our listeners reached out on Twitter and asked if we were going to talk about The Last Guardian again now that we had finished it and they they said we want to hear a spoiler cast and we realized hey a spoiler cast across the board for a lot of things that came out recently would be fun. We we haven't done that really. So we were go we we're, we're going to do that today. We are going to spoil things that are not Horizon Zero Dawn. We're going to talk about the endings and end games of three things from the past two months we're going to talk about resident evil 7 final fantasy 15 and the last guardian so heads up 
if you do not want those three games spoiled, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Come back next get week. The, get out. We have... Get out. We don't even like you anymore. No, we love you. We love you and we want you to stick around. But be, be forewarned. And not only that, we're actually going to be getting into the DLC for Resident mm-hmm. Evil 7 uh, as well. So, let's start there. Let's start with Resident Evil 7. The ending of which is fucking awesome. That's two F-bombs, but I feel it's warranted because I love the way Resident Evil 7 ends. Resident Evil 7 dupes you up front. It says, we're going we're going in a whole new direction with Resident Evil, and it's really small-scale and intimate, and don't worry about uh, global conspiracies for bioweapon companies and evil pharmaceutical companies. We're not doing any of that until it does. <laughs> yeah, until it does. <laughs> Which is awesome. And then... Uh, surprise 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 resident evil 7 goes full old school resident evil but with a really awesome twist but with an awesome twist yes uh so when you finally leave the baker household susan what happens at the end of resident evil 7 from the time that you have your final confrontation with Big Daddy Baker mm-hmm. and the actual ending. Okay, so uh, at that point in the game, you have a cure, right? Okay, so you are it is you, your wife, Mia, and the Baker daughter, Zoe, who has been helping you throughout the game by giving you advice and tips, and she's the one who's on the phone with you. Okay, you can cure one of you. Mm-hmm. And it's who did you be- cure? Huh? Who did you cure? Oh, I cured Zoe. Me too! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Mia! Yeah, well, basically, well, A, bitch cut off my hand. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> but B, no, the reason I, I cured Zoe was actually I felt like Zoe had put more on the line to get us out. Like, the whole like, yes. the whole idea is Zoe's like, here's what you gotta do. You gotta make this cure, uh, and then you can cure me and m- Mia and myself, and then the three of us can get the hell out of here. Right, mm-hmm. and you end up because you have to use one of them on uh, Big Daddy Baker. You only have one, and you you choose to either cure Mia or Zoe. I cured Zoe. Mia stays stays behind in the house. She's a little peeved with you, also. I must say. And you also you have reason not to trust Mia at this point also beyond true. her cutting off her off your hand. Bitch, cut off my hand. Yes. And as you find out shortly after leaving via boat with Zoe. You realize that you, you your reason to distrust Mia was well placed. Right. Well, you you take Zoe and you get in a boat and you're trying to get away and get to safety and to go get help and you discover a huge uh, tanker boat that has come ashore. It has crashed. And what happens at that point? Your boat, the little uh, speedboat you're in, crashes, and Ethan, the character you've been playing as, ends up unconscious on the ground. Mia, at this point, rolls up and is like, oh no, Ethan! And this big black tentacle of who knows what. Mold. Mold. It is, yeah, it it's is, mold. It is the, what the, it's yeah. the things that have been trying to chomp on you throughout the Baker house, the yes. molded. Yes. The it's, molded. it's that. It's it just that a mass gook. of that. Snatches him up and draws him into the boat. At this point, you are, the rest of the game is a combination of the present with Mia looking to rescue Ethan and the past, which is you find out where the 
fuck Mia has been these past three years. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, she was working with an organization to create a bioweapon. That's what the little girl Evie is. All that black shit, yeah, Evie creates it. The idea, And Evie's not, he, she's not even she's human. She's not human, no. No, right. she's she, made she to a... look human so that she can better il- infiltrate enemy lines. Right, right. Because, oh, no, it's just a little girl. And the idea is this black mold can infect someone and eventually render them uh, able to be influenced. So this yeah. is she's been mind-controlling the bakers. That's why they've been doing all these horrible things. And she was a weapon to create it to put into enemy lines so she could infect them with this black goop and then render them under her control. Okay. She was being moved to a location in South America because a different company was trying to steal her. But Mia's instructions were, look, if it's getting too hairy, just kill the kid. All right? Mm -hmm. So that's why all this is going down. And so that's the whole bit in the boat. And then Mia rescues you, at which point you become Ethan again. And there's the final showdown with Evie. Now. And Evie, it turns out, it turns out, oh, yeah. e- Evie is also, when you go to find her, Evie, there is no Grandma Baker. Yeah. There's no, the grandma who's at the dinner table at the beginning, and the grandma that you constantly see throughout the house, that is not one of the bakers. That's no, her. Evie. That's the yeah. weapon. Yeah. Because something, because of her, whatever, her body chemistry, she aged prematurely Mm -hmm. so yeah she's that little old lady in the wheelchair now here's the cool bit okay so you have this big showdown with evie who becomes this big gigantic like size of a building monster right and as you're fighting her and a helicopter appears overhead and okay they 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 toss you a gun called the albert and you use that (laughs) and you kill evie and great cool a guy named uh redfield redfield yeah just redfield just redfield picks you up you get on the helicopter which has what people think it's an umbrella logo it's not it is not an umbrella logo it's an umbrella core logo Hmm. now here's why that's important and there's an article on our site that just just spells all this shit out for you okay so the Umbrella Corps is actually basically good guys. Like, if you <laughs> if you cast Umbrella as the bad guys, Umbrella Corps is the good they're guys. They're the Foxhound. They hound. go around the... Huh? They're what? the Foxhound, like from Metal Gear, the, the good guys who fight the bad guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's a different spoiler cast, <laughs> by the So they, what they do is they go around the world and they clean up all the shit that Umbrella has been leaving behind, like all the technology and the chemicals and the weapons and the whatever. They go around and they clean all that stuff up. So the idea is they've been, they, they knew something was up at the Baker house, but they didn't really know what. Because everything that happens at the Baker house until the very end is either underground or just inside one of the houses. And concealed. Like, and, like, and, and totally yeah. concealed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It looks relatively normal from the outside. So the idea, and this is what really makes me excited about this as a, as a the kickoff to a new franchise, is that as opposed to following the actions of the bad guys who are, you know, making zombies and doing whatevs, it's the good guys trying to clean up all the stuff that the bad guys have been doing for years. Yeah. Uh, and it is not, 
it's really it's really interesting. The everybody's sort of the first impulse was like, oh, it's Chris Redfield, and he very pointedly is not called Chris Redfield, and he doesn't look even remotely like any other incarnation of Chris Redfield. All of the Resident Evil principal characters have changed in the in mm-hmm. their appearance over the past twenty years, but after playing Resident Evil Seven. I was like, you know what? I, I just want to go back and, like, see, does he look like him at all? And, uh, no. No. Like, if you go back to the original Resident Evil and that art, Chris Redfield was, like, sort of uh, a prototypical animated-up American hero. He's very mm. lean, has spiked 90s hair. But then he, he's redone, so he looks a, a little less, uh, a little less anime-y. In the HD remake from 2002 on GameCube and uh, in Code Veronica, and then there's beefy, uh, beefy mid 40s uh, Chris Redfield that you see in Resident Evil 5 and 6 and uh, Revelations, Revelations, yeah, Revelations, uh, Revelations, and it's definitely not Chris Redfield. Because there is a brand new canonical CG movie coming out called Resident Evil Vendetta, and Chris is one of the main characters, and he still looks like, like he Chris. does like Chris. Interesting. So this, this is this is a whole new guy. Uh, if it's third, I can't wait. If this is third wheel Redfield sibling, <laughs> Claire and Chris aren't that cool. I could be cool too. My name's be- Jeff. I could Jeff Redfield. I'm Jeff Redfield. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't punch a boulder. I tried was broke my thumb, but it's okay. And uh, here's another really fun spoiler thing: is the tanker that you find Evie, uh, all the in Evie flashbacks and stuff on. I don't know if you noticed this, Susan. I the, di- I was told this. I did not play the game that yeah, references, so I didn't know the, it. It is it is straight up a a the same model of ship from Revelations. Right. So like you go in, the bunks are the exact same, the bridge is the exact same, and so it's cool, just like a cool continuity thing. Like it's very subtle. It's also kind of economical. Well, know, these are, mm, what? Well, I know. I'm just we 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 won't we yeah. won't we won't ding them too hard for that. No, no, no. You know, like I I don't think it's a ding. At all to be like, oh, it's reused assets, bro. Like, I think it's cool. Like, I I think it's actually there is already a canonical reason for this ship to be the same ship, right? As uh, the Queen Zenobia, and that just like it it, it just reentrenches all the sort of Resident Evil-y soap opera-ness. I loved this ending. There are people I've I've seen people say like, oh, it deflates in the back half. And I loved it. I loved... Well, it's... Here's the problem. It's a completely different play style, right? It is. Like, you, it's a, it's a totally different tone. It's a totally different play style. Like, I, and I was telling you this. I played on easy because, you know, combat is not why I play Resident Evil games. And in the front half of the game, that wasn't an issue because it wasn't about running into the molded or, you know, the mm. boss fight with Marguerite. It was about the atmosphere of being in that house and feeling trapped and feeling vulnerable and and getting at the secrets and and all of that. However, in the back half of the game, it's not really about atmosphere and story. It's very much more straightforward. You're just going down halls and and shooting things that are jumping out at you. And that's where I wished 
the combat was more challenging for me because that's where the focus of the game was. Like, you're also picking up interesting bits of lore along the way, and you're it's filling in those blanks for you. Yeah. But that is secondary to the uh, action of it. Mm. So it's, I mean, I, I, I completely understand why, why people were a little disappointed by that because the first half feels so fresh. Yeah. And yeah. I've played that second game before. Yeah, it, it's weird. It worked for me, I think, because I love the rhythm of Resident Evil so much. Mm-hmm. And and just, like, I love, I love that shift of you're in the atmospheric, terrifying place that you need to figure out. And then once you have figured out and you have confidence, the game shifts into dumb action movie mode. Right. And, you know, Remake and the original did that with, like, you know, the, it ends in the Umbrella Base. And, like, all of a sudden it goes from you're not just, like, trying to solve, like, what key goes in this fucked up door in, in this weird mansion in this bad mountains. Uh, you're being like, I'm gonna shoot this big man with a heart sticking out of his chest and his giant claw with a rocket launcher. Right. Uh, and, you know, Resident Evil 2, you're in the police station. And then you're underground in the the sinister underbelly of Raccoon City, controlled by Umbrella, and and so on and so forth. Like this is mm. this is always where it goes. Code Veronica, same thing. You're stuck yeah. on that island and the Ashford Mansion, and then you're in Antarctica on this lost military base. I think the the, the the big problem is though the storytelling was so much better done. I mean, yes. it's it's really top notch, as opposed to in previous games. It's, I mean, it's been good for Resident Evil. <laughs> right. You know? Right. But, right. Like, I yeah. mean, it's, you, like, it, it, and th- this is a a very, very, very reductive yeah. argument. But, try, like, just look at tr- a previous Resident Evil, try turning that into a movie, versus the first half of this game, you could absolutely turn that into a movie. You know, absolutely. Very absolutely. little difficulty. And, and, like, the thing that really feels missing from the ending of Resident Evil 2 is is specificity. Like, the Baker house is so detailed and mm-hmm. so specific that, you know, every single... Like the, like, the very first house you're in isn't that big, but it feels so vast because every room is so unique mm-hmm. and distinctive and it feels like a home. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, once you're... The, the the atmosphere changes fundamentally when you're in an environment like a tanker because it is by its very nature nondescript right. it's you know you're you're in these blank hallways and there are moments where you get to experience you know a little bit of history and incident you can see like the remnants of how the crew tried to fight back against mm-hmm. you know this this thing that was out of control but it, it there's just not as great an opportunity to create that kind of detail, and it, mm-hmm. it, as a natural result, it just feels slower. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, uh, I <laughs> the final boss, like Evie, eventually does turn into a giant billowing tentacle monster the size of a skyscraper with a with, face. A, with a big hideous distorted face and you have to shoot it in the face and i was like oh thank god you're still resident evil resident <laughs> <laughs> i was worried for a while yeah <laughs> i was worried you weren't gonna be resident evil anymore resident evil well uh, what's really interesting though is to then contrast that with the dlc 
Yeah, which I still haven't played. Okay, so uh, so far there's been two DLCs uh, released. Which they're each one is a video cassette, which is really neat. There's uh, Kill Ethan. I think it's called mm-hmm. Kill or Ethan Must Die. Basically, it's a randomized. You are sent in to play the game. Basically, uh, you start with a knife, and that's it. And then you pick up random stuff. Like, there will be crates to give you supplies along the way, but what's in them is completely random. Oh, cool. And it's just try to... It's, it's very roguelike in that way. And it's try to, to reach the end. And that's interesting. That's that's a, a fun thing for folks who are really enjoying being in that environment and mm-hmm. want to just challenge themselves uh, with combat and stuff. Not my jam, but it's a really fun idea. The other one is called Bedroom, and it is it's, it's an escape room. It is a literal escape room. You have been because as you as you remember, uh, Evie has been making the bakers kidnap people for three years so that she could add to her family. And you play as one of the people that got kidnapped. You wake up. You are strapped into bed. And Marguerite comes to give you food. And she puts, she puts down a big bowl of, let's call it soup. <laughs> That's a good word for it. Sure. And, and says, I'll be back to check on you in a while. And she leaves. And now your thing is, you, you have to figure out how to escape the room. But here's the really cool twist. Marguerite will come back into the room. In fact, you ha- she has to come back into the room for you to be have all the clues and things you need in order to escape. But if she notices that you've gotten out of bed, game over. Oh, that's awesome. So you, in the process of figuring out all the things you have to do to escape this room, you have to make sure the room looks exactly the way it did when she left. Otherwise, you're screwed. That's so awesome. It's really, really cool. It also wow. makes it incredibly difficult to do in one shot. Like, the first time you do it, you're probably going to fail. I'm I'm wondering why they didn't keep that in the main game. Like, because... So do you find it as a videotape in the main game? Or is it... No, no, like, no. Do you Mm-mm. just select it? No, you just select it. It's just... It's one of the extras. Yeah. Because it, it, that is... I mean, you play so much of the the best parts of Resident Evil 7 are other cassettes that you find in the house. And they are like their own little miniature game like this. Like True. You, you find the one as Mia, where Mia's running away from uh, Marguerite, and you have to... It's the stealth game. You have to hide from her. That's and not it's fun. really scary. Yeah, it is uh, really scary. So scary. And then you can't... like, And the that one I think you have to find. No? I believe that is true. Yeah, and then um, there is one that you can completely skip, which is you find a tape for the son, whose name I now can't remember. Lucas. Lucas. You find a tape where Lucas traps somebody in like a Saw-style basement. Yeah, it's called Birthday. Birthday. And it's, that's also really scary and really fun to try and figure out. And if you do figure it out, you can then, uh, like, Ethan will go and have to do the exact same puzzle, and you can just blaze through it and survive. Yeah. yeah. Without, you know, like, 
without what you can not watch that tape and then right. go down there and do that. So it sounds like the bedroom thing could be incorporated into the flow. Uh, yes, it, it, it could have done. It could have done. I like it separated out just yeah. because um, it, it's not, it's not, it is tangential to mm. the rest of the story. Like the Mia one, you have to see the Mia one because it helps you uh, right. figure out what's going on. It is very much like birthday, except it at no point are you going to be trapped in this, this bedroom in the main game. So it, it is wholly separate. Like they, like Lucas makes you do the birthday scenario and yeah. that's actually important to how you get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just, we made this puzzle room and it doesn't really fit in with the game. So we'll, we'll give you this different way Got to it. experience it. But it's, it's just, it's such a wonderful subversion of how you normally go about mm-hmm. solving an escape room because the more you dick with it, the easier it is for her to figure out yeah. that you've done something and then she does really nasty things to you. Like, really nasty things. There are two endings, right? There are two different... There's, like, a good and a bad ending for this? There's a good and a bad ending for uh, the main game. There's a bad ending for the main game? Yes, and I apparently got it. What's the bad ending? Uh, I, I think that you get the bad... I think the air quote bad ending is if you pick Zoe over Mia. No shit. Well, what happens in the good end? I don't know. <laughs> this is I, totally I, new I, to me. I haven't done it yet, but it is different. Huh. I wonder if Mia lives she in does. that case. She does. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. I don't know if Mia deserves to live. No, She's fuck not, Mia. Mia does. Mia did bad things. Mia, <laughs> bitch, Mia, bitch, cut off my hand. Like she, like yeah, it's like super sad that she was. You know, yes, it sucks that she was tortured and everything, but she did try to help foster a biological weapon that could enslave other people. Yeah, it's not, like, it's not real cool. No, not also, awesome. You know, and it's it's her. Everything that happened to the bakers is her fault. Yeah, that sucks. And, and, the, and therefore, that... by extension, everything that happened to the baker to the people the bakers kidnapped. Yeah. It's her fault. There's another wonderful little spoiler here, which is in the process of, you know, taking control of Ethan again before the very end. You, and Susan, you wrote about this in a, a wonderful piece on Games Radar about uh, Resident Evil 7's depiction of uh, people from the American South. Yep. Uh, there is this awesome scene where, like... <laughs> Ethan sort of communes with the consciousness of the Baker family. Yeah. And you get Jack. to see who they used to be. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful. Like, it's actually very affecting. Uh, man. It is. Yeah. I mean, because the, the Bakers are... The, the point of my article was that be, what, it is a trope of horror that if you are in the South and you find yourself in a, a big old Southern house something bad is going on and yeah. it something bad is going to happen to you. They are, you know, they're cannibals or they're inbred or they're killing people for fun or whatever. It is right. a, it is a trope because that is, that is how the South is often representative. You don't, you don't often see depictions of like really smart, well-dressed <laughs> Southern people, you know, right. like it just, it's just a trope. Yeah. Um, Unless and, they're like some kind of threatening dandy. Right. Like, uh, right. Right. <laughs> 
Like in the Garden oh, of Good, Midnight in the Garden yeah, of Good and Evil. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, Kevin Spacey in Midnight yeah. in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yeah, exactly. Who may or may not be a murderer. Mm. Right. So, uh, yeah. Um, but then, so then you, you have this moment, because you've been told that the Bakers were a really lovely family. Like, they're okay, they're, their son was a little, something was a little up with him, but they were really lovely people. And then you get to meet Jack, the father, who has, who was taking such delight in tormenting you and terrorizing you like he was really enjoying making you scared right and then you you meet him as he was before this whole thing happened and he really is just a nice guy he's a perfectly normal nice guy who took in strangers who needed help yep yeah man what a game so good dave are, are you are you gonna finish? Yeah, it? no, this this now sounds you know, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I think that there is a like the benefit of spoilers sometimes is that if you find out like what happens, you're like, oh shit, I want to see that. I want to. And now, that like, right now. the mystique has sort of like faded, and I feel like yeah. I'm a little bit more like a little less of a wimp to hop in and be like, yeah, no, I think I got this. I want to get to that boat. Nice. Yeah, so. nice. Uh, it's cool, man. It's really, really cool ending. Speaking, man, I talked about this with Dave before the show. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. Go see the new M Night Shyamalan movie, everybody. Split. Uh, split. Okay. It's frigging awesome. It's awesome. I told Dave. So you know, it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. It is not a surprise that there is like a little bit of a twist in the ending. It's not that much of a twist which is uh cool because like this movie is probably for the first time in 15 years he's made something that's just like a really tightly plotted thriller with unbelievable performances james mcavoy is incredible in it uh susan do you do you want to hear like a, a an easter egg spoiler would you mind that or do you want to stay pure for split I would like to stay pure, please. Stay pure. All right. Yeah. Uh, then all I'll say is this, everybody: go see that movie, uh, because like, like, like it. It's funny. It has, a, it feels very tonally similar to Resident Evil Seven, which is also why I bring it up. Okay. okay. Uh, it like you know a part of the premise is about being confined and sort of uh, being terrorized by somebody who is unpredictable, uh, much like the Baker family. Uh, and finding things out about that person's history. It's a cool movie. Really cool movie. Uh, speaking of things that are batshit insane. Oh, here we go. Fi- <laughs> here we go. Fi- Final Fantasy XV goes to some interesting Oh, it goes places. places. <laughs> it goes some places. Not all those places so are good. <laughs> uh, now, okay. that's, that is where Dave and I disagree, because I love the ending of Final no, Fantasy No, I, I love 15. it too, but I'm just saying, like, the, and, the path to get there, there's there's some bits, you're like, how did... What? How, who greenlit this? Who said so, you could do this? Okay. S- Susan, you played 30 hours. About that, yeah, 30, five, yeah, 35 about, hours, something like that. Where did you stop? What's the oh, last gosh. thing you remember happening? Let me think. Uh, okay, what was going on? I had just gotten to... Uh, uh, oh, uh, 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 not Gizmo. Gladio. Gladio's sister was there? Gladio's sister was there. All right. Right. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, like, she had bad news, and then, yes. like, 
the soldiers came and harassed the old dude who runs the hotel? Yeah, so it's or right something? before it's right before the old dude that old dude beefs it. He's just dead. Okay. Uh wait, they oh, wait, yes. Yeah. Yes. He right. dies. Uh-huh. And, and it sucks. And then oh, and then and then Mr. Fancy Pants mm-hmm. is like, follow me in your car. Oh, all right. So that's yeah. So that is when they when Noctis is going around the world communing with the the seven gods yes. or asking right, the right, 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 the right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's that awful bullshit fight, right? The first one, and you're just right. getting spanked the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not the only time that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and. Let me tell you, the next time it happens is when that game goes complete fucking gaga banana pants. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, Final okay, wait, Fantasy I have a question. Yeah. Is Mr. Fancy Pants a good guy or a bad guy? Bad, bad guy. guy. He's the He is the Sephiroth, the Kuja, the... Right. Yeah. Like, okay, then so why, am I, why am I following this guy in my car? Okay, here, here is the big surprise, Susan. Okay. This is, this is the big thing. Okay. Is that he's Kaiser Soze? We're we're he kind of is. Oh god! And we kind of we kind of we're not going to like we're, we're not going to cover everything between where you stopped and the end in exacting detail because there's so much. Mm-hmm. But that guy Arden, mm-hmm. the Empire is not the bad guy. In fact. The Empire is just an unwitting patsy in a hundreds of years long, you know, revenge plot on behalf of this guy, Arden, to basically kill, like, the, the, you know, to kill the gods of the land. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, Yep. Strap in, Susan, because we're going to go for a ride. We're going for a ride. And here, here is the other thing, and I said this to Dave when I finished it. There were all the people who were like, it's fucking bullshit that, uh, you know, Kingsglaive isn't in the game. Or, or that that Kingsglaive story isn't part of the game. And when you finally finish Final Fantasy XV, you realize why. Because Kingsglaive, the, the fall of Insomnia... Mm-hmm. And the battle between the evil uh, Gestalian Empire and Insomnia, that is not, like, the point of the story. Right. And by shortly after where you are, the Empire itself starts to really get to a place like, why are we doing any of this? Yeah, like the, okay. the, that Dragoon, what's her name? Uh, yeah, the drag. Yeah, the dragoon who you probably only saw her briefly, Susan. There's like uh, a woman who sort of looks like, uh, like, you know, a, a version of Lightning from Lightning Returns, but in a big helmet and with a sense of humor. Mm. Um, and she's like a mercenary in charge of the of you know the the army uh, for the Empire at one point. And uh, you were saying, Dave, what is she comes in and is like, uh, yeah, yeah like, I'm gonna she's help like, you guys. I don't know if I want to fight for these guys anymore. Um, yeah, but we'll hang out. I'll catch you. Later. And so, like, apparently, like, uh, I had this happen to me once. But as you're exploring the world, sometimes those airships appear overhead and they drop soldiers out to fight you. Oh my god, that happened to me all the time. Sometimes she'll jump out. Uh, I, I'm yeah. totally blanking on her name. 
Yeah, it's driving me crazy. I can't remember her name uh, either. But like, she'll drop out and she'll help you. She'll just hang out. Yeah. Oh. And like, she's well, a great. Yeah. Character. Once you like reach a certain point in the story, I'm gonna look up her name while we're talking about this. So yeah. So basically, uh, Ariana Highwind. That's her name. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's the, yeah. the dragoon lady who she's like a mercenary who sort of leads their troops and she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bail on these guys. Because yeah. Okay, okay. So wait. So okay. So dude who has some kind of centuries long axe to grind yes. is manipulating entire countries yes. to get Arden, him Arden is manipulating everything. Yes. Okay. And it... Okay. And okay. So, because you are apparently a dumbass, you have decided to follow him around in your sweet car so you can go commune with the gods. So the, and the, at that point, and Arden's role for a while after that is that Arden is acting as just another political actor in this world. The idea is that, like, he is trying to keep the Empire from murdering Noctis. Like, Arden, Arden sort of acts under the pretense of, oh, well, Noctis, like, I have to behave this way on the public stage uh, as an enemy of, you know, Insomnia and one of the people that conspired to have your father killed. But in reality, I'm just trying to reset things. And part of that is helping Noctis and his fiance Luna Freya make their pact with these gods. And that is that is why Arden is saying, like, oh, come follow me. Yeah. And why Noctis is willing to. Okay, wait, to. is that is that true or is that a fib? It is it is true. He is okay. trying to help the reason he is doing it is the fib. Yes. Oh I see. The, the reason he is doing it is like this is straight up Cain and Abel shit. Is that the the ultimate idea is that Arden is the immortal schmuck, and he is the the you know the chosen by the gods whipping boy, and mm. Noctis and his father before him and all the kings of Insomnia that ring they've been given is to pass on to be the one who keeps the world running. It's not like he's not like a Christ figure. He's more like a, a sort of Shiva in Hinduism. Where it's like I, the role of the king of insomnia is to keep balance. Mm -hmm. That's why you have the ring. That's what you're supposed to do, and you are, in a bit of a Christ move, you are going to ultimately be a sacrifice. You know, bearing the ring will ensure that at some point you you die badly, uh, and you see that in the in in Kingsglaive actually very briefly. Like they sort of set that up for when when Nyx takes the ring, mm -hmm. and. But Arden is like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of being the asshole, and I'm just going to end this. I am going to, I am going to end the world so that it's basically under my control. So this is like a Loki Thor kind of. Yes, thing. yeah, yeah, a Loki For Thor sure. thing as well. Like, I, like I am going to burn it all to the ground because I'm sick of being treated. So okay. So and, and you hit chapter nine awesome at being that by the way yeah. like Arden gets creepier and creepier and creepier right until the final battle and it's a yeah he no Arden like the, who, like whoever played Arden on the English voice cast like he deserves a medal or something he's so like he takes this writing which like you know could be better but it's it's fine <laughs> and he just he sells oh he steals the show 
every time. Uh, but yeah, so you hit chapter nine, and it's like, okay, so you finally, you've communed with the gods, you've done all your sort of busy work in the open world, um, and now you have to go to Altissia to commune with Leviathan, who is, I believe, the last, uh, one of the last gods on your on your trip. There are a few more, but like... The, the... Explain, explain what this city is, too. Like, that's important. That you're, like, now in this, like, fantasy, ridiculous... Yeah, you're basically in... Venice? You're, you're in fantasy Venice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're, you're trying to come up with... Uh, you speak with the leader of Altissia in order to form an alliance, uh, sort of a tenuous alliance, basically to allow you to basically destroy this city. Because mm-hmm. once you summon Leviathan, people are gonna die. Um... Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Luna Freya is there as well. Um, I forget the what. What is the exact reason why she's there? Um, Luna Freya for, is for there the same reason you form, are, right? Yeah, she for the exact same reason because she is the Oracle, right? And like the reason Luna Freya and Noctis need to get married at all is that that is how like the couple works. Right. Like the the Oracle is there to back up the King of Insomnia. And so on and so forth. Right. So you guys, you finally hang out. You finally get to meet, kind of. <laughs> For a second. For like a second. And then... Uh, before before Arden stabs her in the stomach. And kills her. What? Surprise. Yep. Yeah. Wait, Luna Freya dies? Yep. Oh yeah, yep. Luna Freya what dies. What the shit? Yep. Because that's, that's when Arden finally goes full Arden. Leviathan is summoned by Luna Freya... And then he kills her in the middle of it. So Leviathan, this god, is like, I'm not doing anything for anybody. Shut up. And just wrecks the city. And Noctis has to fight it and try to get things back under control. But Luna Freya is gone and that is it. Like, it, you find out that the Empire has already killed multiple of the gods. Like, the gods aren't, like, mystical spiritual things in the world of Final Fantasy XV, they live there. Like, they're giants. Like, you you see one early on, Titan. Rama works for you. There are seven of them. And oh, this but, one but you, you don't dead. actually, like, stop off and talk to all seven, though. No, because the Empire has been murdering them. Okay. Yeah. Like, that is Arden's big plan, to either kill them or enslave them. To basically make the world his place. Right. Guys, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, oh, it's so awesome. Wait. So, okay, so after this happens, like, like Noctis is sad, you know, his his betrothed is dead. Like, the, the one woman, like, the, the whole focus of your quest oh. to meet this woman, she's dead. She's dead, and Susan, in the process of defending this city, Ignis has been blinded. He goes blind. Yeah. They destroy Ignis's eyes. And... And he's still in your party, though. So you have to take care of beautiful... Wonderful Ignis. Okay, so so now in order to complete your quest, does he think of any more recipes? You go no, because he's blind <gasps> and everything oh, is terrible. Oh, hold on. <laughs> it gets sadder. So you are on the world's saddest train ride, basically to finish yeah. up. Like you, you're basically just hopping from city to city. Uh, you stop at a place to, and then like that's where you commune with another god. But the thing is, though, is like you bring Ignis along, and. He's blind, and he's walking with a cane, and everyone kind of hates you right now because you're being a yeah. little whiny bitch about it. So, you're a bitch. So you, if you run up ahead and try, like, because you're like, hey, I can just sprint and, like, go across this mountain. 
Ignis has to walk very slowly, and Gladio and uh, Prompto are hanging with him. And if you run far ahead, like Gladio's like, oh, I see. You're just going to go run off now, aren't you? Yeah, you don't care about it. You don't care. Yeah. Oh my god. This is as you're playing the game. (laughs) And when you stop to rest at a campfire, you eat like a can of beans. You eat like a can of beans and nobody talks to each other. And so (laughs) the reason they're traveling at this point is the last stop on their road, the only living god left, apparently is in the imperial territory you have to go to the imperial city and that's why they're traveling by train and making the necessary stops as they go and as they're going to because of what arden has been doing to the natural order of the world everything just starts breaking down like time stops never yeah like some real never-ending story shit starts happening like the, the like the sun is only rising for like an hour a day and things are just breaking down like like air, like regions that are normally warm are getting colder uh time like yeah. like you you start like like he ha- starts gaining the ability to control time and stop time and you get sort of caught up in these moments where like you're exploring the train and everyone just kind of stops moving Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. yeah, and then Prompto ends up disappearing. Like he get like uh, Arden tricks you into basically knocking Prompto off the train. Yeah, uh, mid 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 travel. Yeah, like tricks you what? into knocking him off the train. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It gets Susan. It gets crazy. Yeah. Like it just it goes. It basically becomes like if you mixed, like if if you mix like Hindu creation myth. With and Snowpiercer, and, and, yes, and Snowpiercer and Jacob's Ladder, yeah, like, like psychological descent into darkness, and all of this culminates. Like, it, okay. it's also like some of the imagery is so cool, yeah, because you find, like, you end up traveling through the territory where Arden killed the first of these gods. You find out that Arden killed Shiva. Like, the okay. traditional Shiva from Final Fantasy. Like, this ice goddess. And, like, there is just an enormous body. Like, a, a towering, building-sized, human-shaped creature forming a mountainscape. And you're in the middle of what used to be a desert. And it is now a glacier. Because this is where you killed the god of ice. And it's just... Like, you're only there for, like... Five minutes too. It's like chapter ten. Everything sucks in this glacier. Have a weird confrontation with an immortal wizard who is your biological opposite. Yeah. Okay. Now we have to talk it's about chapter so thirteen. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So, yeah. Tell me why everybody flips out okay. about chapter thirteen. So uh, you make it uh, yeah. into the into um, the the empire Niflheim, right? Yeah, you're in yeah, Niflheim, you're in Niflheim. You're in the Imperial City. Everything like like they're just monsters ever because the, the the thing is is as you're playing in Final Fantasy 15 when it's nighttime, demons come out, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful when you're exploring at night because these really powerful monsters. It's nighttime all the time now. Yeah. So there are just mm-hmm. and what and surprise, Arden like there's nobody left in the Imperial City. Yeah. Because Arden is the one... Like, the reason there are demons everywhere is Arden is the one making them. Yes. 
he is he is turning people into the monsters that are all over the place in Final Fantasy yes. 15. By the way, none of this is explained until you get to chapter 13 and then you read a bunch of notes lying around in this building. <laughs> That's not... We already covered that, Dave. It's not true. They talk about it. They do talk <laughs> about it. It's just really vague. And it works... When you're like, oh, wait, that's what those characters were talking right. about. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so you end up, like, in a last-ditch effort, you take the regalia and you drive you drive it past a bunch of uh, debris and stuff because you're trying to make it to the gate before it closes. Uh, regalia's toast. Uh, you make it into... Uh, into the, the, the sort of the central headquarters of the Niflheim Kingdom. It looks very Midgarian. Uh, and you're separated from your team. So you have... You're separated from your team... Uh, and this area is coded like there's some sort of force field or something that is preventing you from using your magic. So you have no weapons. What? All you no, have okay, is your you, yeah. ring. You have the ring, and it's it, but not for that long. Yeah, like it, it's only it's only for a little while that you can't use your swords, and you can only use your ring. But people complaining about this, it's blown way out of proportion but the thing is is what ends up happening is that you have to go through this 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 labyrinth of corridors and and industrial hallways and laboratories and stuff and it turns into a horror game yeah it turns into a like horror basically game. because you only have the ring you can only you you can like you have a death spell and then there are a couple other attacks that you can do but they take a really long time to charge and they use your mp like crazy so you can't just yeah. rely on it too much so you get to these parts where you have to hide inside of 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 these alcoves and wait for enemies to pass you by or you could just fight them. You don't have to fight. Yeah, no, they're, like, they're, you can they're, fight they're pretty easy to cheese. But yeah, like, yeah. The, but like tonally, it is it is a horror game. Meanwhile, Arden is just cackling at you over the loudspeaker, and yeah. and telling you about like how how he's gonna destroy the world and how he like he he's finally gonna and be... what like, yeah Arden Arden villain monologues and is like. You you basically I played you like a yachts and this is what this is all mm -hmm. building to and this and chapter goes on for like three hours, like two hours two or three it, yeah two hours two uh, hours eventually like, you partner back up with your with your team uh, but you can't you still have you haven't found Prompto yet you meet up with them do you want to tell you want to tell Susan what what he what his whole deal is okay yeah because so you your boys find you. And you find where Arden has been keeping Prompto since he got knocked off the train. Mm -hmm. And as you're going, it's like the final moment, you're going to ascend to the top floor of the central tower in the Imperial City mm -hmm. and seize back the crystal and make things as right as you possibly can. And Prompto is like, yo, bros, before we keep going, you should probably know that I am not a real boy and I was manufactured by Arden all along to get close Fuck to you, you. And be your best friend. Fuck off! No! And then, no. But, but Prompto says, like, look, man, I didn't even find this out. It's not like I'm a sleeper agent. I, I'm your friend. And all of them are just like, yeah, dude. Like, like that's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest story moment <laughs> and, in the and world. And they just dismiss because it. Noctis is just like, I don't fucking care, man. Like, you're like, my boy. <laughs> I'm a man. Yeah, you're my boy. I, I, I like we'll we'll be boys forever, and 
like, you think... Noctis is basically like, do you think I'm, like, a real person? Like, I, I'm fated to have to take up my father's mantle with a stupid magic ring. It's like, Noctis basically looks at him and says, none of this makes sense, except for the fact that we're friends. Yes. Which is the... And okay, that's, that is what that's will carry you through. I like that. Yeah. Right. And that is... And, like, so what, what happens next is... Like, if you think for a second that that's as fucking weird as it gets... <laughs> nope. Wrong, wrong again! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> because you do ascend, you do get to the crystal, and the gods... Like, you remember in Kingsglaive when the gods say to Nyx, like, yeah, we can help you out, but you are going to be a crispy potato by the end of it, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the same gods appear, all the kings of insomnia appear to Noctis when he gets to the crystal, and they're like, so... Everything's fucked, huh? How do you want to handle this? You can fix things, but it's going to suck. Uh, are you willing to fix things? And Noctis is like, will my friends live? And the gods are like, yeah. Yeah, your friends will live. You, we can fix things. You won't live. Probably. But we can do it. Are you willing? And... Arden, meanwhile, is like, yes, do it, do it, because that will finally... Arden's ultimate goal is to either ruin the world or finally die. That's all Arden okay, wants. Okay, okay. Arden, and like, so it's win-win for him. Whatever you choose. Either the world is destroyed, or Noctis will choose to do the right thing, and maybe he can kill Arden. Mm -hmm. And so Noctis says, yeah, I'll do it. And then he goes to sleep for ten, ten years. years. Ten years. <laughs> what, what? Ten years. <laughs> Noctis says, yeah, do it. And then the game flashes and he well, fucking wakes up in a cave well, Noctis with gets a full beard. Into the crystal. And, and he and like Bahamut like talks to him and explains uh, a bunch of stuff. We're 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 in a crystal again. Yep. Okay, but then mm -hmm. like, it's really yeah. quick. Like he just talks to him for a few minutes and then he wakes up and he's like hot Boom. and he looks kind of like John Wick. Uh, yeah. and he's got a beard and he finds out that like ten years have passed and that little boy, uh, Talcott, that you yeah wait wait to wait for Talcott okay for okay Talcott because. Like, he wakes up on an island and sails back into, like, that beach town. Golden Key. Where you, like, right at the beginning of the game, the lovely oh, that beach town where everything goes Welcome to Golden Key! Right, yeah, no, it's a wreck. It is overrun with slavering demons, and it has been night for a decade. Okay. The sun, the sun has not risen in ten years. It is literally hell on earth. And it just says in, like, big letters on screen, World of Ruin. Yes. And then you go to land at the exact moment and, like, Talcott, the little boy from that town where the old man was earlier, is now an adult. And he's just like, well, we've been waiting for you. Like, the, like the crystal told us, like, where you would be. And we've just been trying to survive for ten years. So here you are now. And he sort of catches you up and like, your boys are still alive. And they've been basically doing what they can to protect the remainder of humanity alongside with Cindy. And like, now it's time. Like, you've returned and it's time to storm insomnia. And here's the cool and thing. And then, and then you say, 
Okay, but I would like to do some fishing first, please. No, 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 you can't do, can't it. do it. There's none of that. Uh, there's you no, can there's work no back like in time at any point if you want to go fishing. But mm-hmm. it's like it's basically like, hey, this dog is magic. He'll send you back if you want to. Like, it's it's, not... yeah, it's it's any any leveling you want to do at this point, or going fishing, or any of that. It's basically narratively couched in you can reread your journals, right, right, and right, be like, right, I right, did right, these right, things right. in the past. Like it's right. um, that's still there. Also, I, I, the only I like the touch of like you're at you're basically at Hammerhead Station, the very first gas station in the game, and that that normally like jaunty little like harmonica tune that plays yeah. when you're there is now this like really sad sort of reverb. It's like a guitar. Yeah, slowly. It's like a sad blues version yeah. of the same song. It's awesome. Oh, just like the tone of everything is just. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Okay, so yeah. you. Okay. <sighs> okay. This game is terrible. <laughs> oh, it's so, no, it's no, Susan. Rem- remember what it's like to explain Lightning Returns to people and how it sounds to them. No. Okay. Here, I will explain Lightning Returns to you. Okay. So. Something has happened, and time has stopped, and people have stopped aging, and nobody dies, and nobody ages, and this goes on for about 500 years. And then, finally, humanity is over it. They are ready to check out. So God says, okay, I am going to destroy the world in 13 days. It will all come to a conclusion. You, my chosen one, I would like you to save as many souls as possible so that on day 14, I can create a new world and populate it full of people. Right, but what happens after that? Because then it's like, wait a second, this god is evil, and I need to work against him, and I need to learn to stop time. I will tell you. Then, and you're like, okay, God, that sounds cool. But you find out halfway through that God is lying to you because God get p- got pissed off with us for showing free will. So yeah. he decided, you know what? I'm sick of all y'all not doing what I want you to do. So when I start over on day 14, I'm going to start over and make you all puppets. Right. And then, and then you, the chosen one, are like, that's not cool. That's bro. in addition to having to go find... Your sis, your little sister's ex-fiance, who's become the living archetypal embodiment of gluttony, and also needing to find your your younger sister's time traveling best that's friend. Just, that's I, just no, details. All that's of just all details, though. But like all the of this concept. All Susan, you sound. If you were telling Lightning Returns, like that plot to Susan from 2013, who hadn't played Lightning Returns. 2013, Susan would be like, that sounds like garbage. I disagree. (laughs) I disagree. No, no, but here, look. Okay, so I played 30, 35 hours of this, and it was, like, bright and positive, and it was about love and joy and togetherness. And now, everything is shitty. Yeah, but let us get Right, because the the whole thing is about this sort of, like, brotherhood and friendship. Uh, yeah, triumphing wait, over, like literally triumphing over darkness. Yeah, wait, wait for the ultimate spoiler. because it gets like, so good. All right, like it, it, it's gets, it's worth it. Yeah, the the ultimate spoiler is so like your boy is finally reconvene and have been waiting for you and like they're like oh my god like here we are all together again and they all like everybody busts out like the ceremonial insomnian gar like garb. That they were going to wear when right, they finally the met wedding, Lena Freya, right. like, and like, and you storm the city, like you go home and storm the city. By the way, the, the and... name Insomnia suddenly doesn't seem as stupid 
now. Yeah, it doesn't seem dumb. Like, and when you go in, there is like, Ar- Arden. Arden is basically like, like, come on, bro. Like, I'm waiting for you in the throne room. Like, come get me. And there's there's an awesome like just like sheer fun fight with uh he the, the last remaining living god is Ifrit. And Ifrit is like, you know what? I'm a chaos god. I'm on board with this guy's plan. I want. And that's the that's the boss that you fight, like that you see at the very beginning in the prologue of the of the game. Um, and it's badass. And Shiva ends up coming back to life and aiding you as part of like your 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 efforts and all of that. Blah blah blah. Like that's still like some like anime theatrics bullshit. And then it's finally time to face Arden. Your boys get you there. And Noctis is about to go into the throne room, and he turns around and says to Prompto, "Do you still have your pictures?" Aww. Yeah. And you choose one, one photo to take with you. You get to see everything. You get to see all of your life together, all the good, all the bad, everything ugly, and that's what you take into this final fight with you. And and meanwhile, yeah. like your, your team, like your buds, are commenting on different photos uh, as you scroll past them, as you go through. And so, you pick yours, you take it in with Cup you. Of ramen. The, f- the 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 <laughs> cup of yeah, it's it's the <laughs> shot shot of Gladio holding up the cup of ro- <laughs> cup of noodles. Uh, yeah, and you you go in, and it is. I, I will say, in a rarity for Final Fantasy, a deeply fun Final Fight. Yeah, like, it's, it's only really Noctis wow. versus Arden, and it's so much fun. And you finish it, and you, you kill Arden, and Arden is like, we did it. Like, like I, I, I'm, I get to die now, and you have made it so that the world doesn't have to go through this asinine struggle anymore. Like, there's, like, all of this dumb being beholden to a crystal, you've ended it. And everybody can live their life. And there is, like, this... Okay, this I have... Big... Okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, why didn't Arden just roll up to Noctis and be like, okay, look, here's the dilio. We're stuck in this really stupid cycle. And right. And honestly, I just want to die. So, if you could, like, stab me through the head... But, he could, but the whole the whole idea is that he couldn't like Noctis needed like the powers of this thing to be oh, inherited. Okay. So Arden would be like, "Hey, bro, you want to help me out? I've had to live forever, but if I kill your dad and your girlfriend, uh, we can stop it." Like, Got it. like, okay. yeah. Okay. So all of that happens. It's it's brutal, and then there is like the vague, ambiguous ending, wherein you get to see. Noctis and Lunafreya on the throne together. And it's it is as ambiguous as what happens at the end of Final Fantasy VII, where it's like, so is Aerith the one saving the planet? What the what what the F is happening? But then there is the actual literal ending, which is halfway through the credits, it stops and flashes back to the last campfire before you storm the city together. And it's just this quiet moment with all four of the guys sitting around. No music, just crackling fire. And Noctis says, when was the last time we were actually like this? And Prompto's just like, I honestly can't remember. 
Like, I, I, I mean, it was before you, you know, before Ignis was blinded and before all of this happened, but, like, they're all like, I can't remember. And Noctis, like, gets choked up. And it's one of the best, like, performance captures I've ever... It's, like, it's it's Last of Us grade mm. performance mm. capture. And Noctis is like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to do this. And he just, like, stands up and he's, like, shaking. And he just goes, you guys are the best. And that's it. And that's the end. And that's it. And that's the end. It's so goddamn good <laughs> i know i know it like you hear like all like the insane details but like it is it is good in like i you know that 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 sighting of like never-ending story like it's it's never-ending story or or legend or mm-hmm. uh you know like even something like like the hobbit like it taps into a a sort of like like the details are bananas and mm-hmm. if you like things that are surreal and and sort of grandly surreal it can't be beaten but like you said the beginning of the game is is lightness and it's about like companionship and even when it goes so completely off the rails that you think it couldn't possibly survive going this off the rails mm-hmm. it's still about that togetherness it's about like that like you know stretching it to the absolute ends of where it can go right and it it is like i just thinking about it still gets me choked up like noctis and and you said susan when it when it first came out we were talking about how rare it is to see in all of media but especially video games to see any depiction of male friendship that isn't defined by verbal or physical violence Right, like you know, that isn't defined by like, oh, fuck you, bro, like and and ass slapping and mm-hmm. uh, Master Cheese, you're the best cheese. Uh, I can't say Master Chief. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but like to see that, to see that carry through to the end, and it is like about male friendship, but it is just about like friendship in general, mm-hmm. and and the idea of finding those people in your life where it doesn't matter if 10 years goes by mm-hmm. that when you see them again or it is still present. one of them is an artificial construct created by your right. arch nemesis right yeah. right yes all of that and like i i will say like you unfortunately you can see some of the cracks in this stuff because like not only prompto does prompto come out and be like this is messed up i'm a fake boy uh, there's also a moment where, like, Gladio disappears and comes back with these horrific facial scars, and Ignis disappears and comes back crippled. Coming, ve- coming and, soon to DLC. And, and all mm. of the, all three of those are going to be side stories. Right. All three of those are going to be their own little thing. Right. But the right. game itself is, is wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, and here's the thing. I told Dave this. I have a theory about Chapter 13, why people hate it. It's claustrophobia. Chat, when you're going through this imperial facility, it's just like you're in these tight enclosed hallways. You, you don't see the outside feels, for like two hours. You don't see the outside for two hours, and it just feels oppressive. If there were just windows showing you like, oh, look at the imperial city and all the high rises and it's all messed up, literally a skybox would fix everything. Interesting. Like, yeah, like it's it's perspective. Because the gameplay change is not lengthy enough to, like, all of a sudden negate everything that came before it. And the narrative stuff is admittedly 
bananas. But it also, you know, makes sense. It's not like when you get to the end of Bioshock and you're like, this is incredibly interesting. Why am I fighting Dr. Manhattan from, you know, The Watchmen? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, 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 it's all of a piece. It's, it's just, just presentation. It's just the yeah. most bonkers it's thing. It's just in the, the world. weirdest thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> so we've been recording for an hour and 42 minutes, everybody. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up. And the reason that we saved The Last Guardian for last in all of this is like, what the fuck do you think happens at the end of Last Guardian? <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad. Are you surprised? Surprise! The end of The Last Guardian. No, the kid and Trico. Trico grows his wings back, and they're like, yo, dog, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. I still have tokens from last time. <laughs> and they go, they get a large cheese pie, Trico gets on stage and bites the head off the drummer, and everybody laughs. Surprise. <laughs> no, that, that's not what happens. The bird dies, you dummy. Come on. Actually, like, it, yeah, they escape. It's beautiful. I wept. It's, it's one of the most elegiac gorgeous things ever in the history of video games but the bird helps you escape all the humans hate the bird and they're separated forever what did you think was going to happen it's great though it never plays better susan by the way yeah yeah it never no it's never there's never a moment where it's just like oh we we were kidding it plays really good now (laughs) nope thank you no i told i told i will pass anthony uh, a couple days ago that i was like uh last guardian is an absolute like it's just it's a masterpiece of emotion and uh creating a very specific kind of relationship of you with an obstinate animal and I'm <laughs> yeah. very glad that I played it once, and I will probably never play it again. Yeah. Or if I do, it'll be like w- five years from now. Look, so I, I, I own two dogs. Yeah. Okay? One of them is a dachshund. If you don't know a dachshund, let me tell you something about dachshunds. They are stubborn, bossy, short little motherfuckers. So I'm good. I don't need a digital dachshund. I'm yeah. fine. You have it. Yeah, but do, do you go, <laughs> He'll do this little dance and he like moves his feet up and down and then he points at stuff. He goes, God, the other the other thing is like it, uh, people would have a much higher opinion of The Last Guardian if it told you properly how to play it. Like you can't turn off the button prompts. They're there oh. for the whole game. And at no point do those button prompts help with anything because they're not telling you how to properly do things. Like everybody's like, oh, Trico never listens to me. I'll do, I'll do the thing. Like I wanted to do something and you can't press the buttons. You have to hold the command. Susan, when you call your dogs to you, do you only have to call them once every time? Depends on the dog. Depends on the dog. Depends on the day. Sometimes you have to be like, come here. Come no, here. No, no, Alice. Alice. Exactly. Alice, I, know I know you can. And then I start talking to them like they're children. I know you can hear me. I know right. you can't. Stop pretending you can't hear me. Alice. Mm-hmm. Alice. Come here. Yeah. And then they look at you. Yeah. And, and you're like, I know you're listening. And then eventually they come. The game is mechanically built to simulate that experience. So if you want Trico to walk a certain way, you can't just be like, I pressed X, buddy. Come on, do it. Walk through the door. You have to sit there and hold it and do it. Like, hold it for, like, a good 10 seconds because it's trying to create an atmosphere. 
before you go to Charles E. Cheese <laughs> and play Street Fighter together. And when Trico cheats because he's a button masher, you freak out, you throw pizza in his face, and then you get thrown out. But you still steal a couple of balls from the ball pit. Don't steal balls from the ball pit. Um. This says awfully specific. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody. Uh, that's it for this show. As you can see, we like it when you suggest things to us about these episodes uh if you want us to do another spoiler cast get in touch with us on twitter at games radar or at 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 games radar at games radar 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 or at susan arndt or at david robots or at a john agnello and uh let us know what you want to hear and we will be back next week talking about all that horizon in more detail and other things that are coming out over the next couple of weeks. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>